Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Grab your Bible, please, and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, very familiar portion of Scripture to those of us that love the move of God. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 is a Scripture that speaks of the coming of the Holy Spirit corporately to the earth. Father, we come to You, and God, I thank You, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to try to explain this today. I rely heavily upon the work of Holy Spirit. Speak through me with words that are easy to be understood. May our hearts be receptive and our understanding be enlightened. May our ears be open to the Word of God that is spoken in this place today. We give you praise for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want us to do a little bit of a study today on the meaning of Pentecost. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that is. And then we're going to talk about Pentecost today, what it means for us today. Pentecost is a one-day celebration that follows the Feast of Weeks. Some people call it the Harvest Feast or the Feast of First Fruits. And the Feast of First Fruits or the Harvest Feast or the Feast of Weeks lasted for seven weeks, 49 days. The next day is what we call Pentecost Sunday, and that day is the 50th day, which is really what Pentecost means. Pentecost means 50 or 50th. But it means more than that. In Jewish tradition, Pentecost was the harvest home celebration. Deuteronomy chapter 16 verses 10 through 11 uh, talks about what people were encouraged to do during that day. The Bible says that they rejoiced before Jehovah with their families and their servants and the Levite within their gates, with the stranger, with the fatherless and the widow, in the place that was chosen by God for His name, as they brought a freewill offering of their hand to Jehovah their God. So it was the harvest home celebration where they were celebrating harvest, bringing the first fruits of that harvest to God and to His ministers. It was also a time when they reflected on the power and the deliverance of God. They reflected on God bringing them out of Egypt through the land of the wilderness and into the land that was flowing with milk and honey. The pinnacle of the celebration of Pentecost was the presentation of the two loaves of unleavened bread and that presentation was to God and then to his priest, or what today we would call pastors. And it was the presentation 
of two loaves of bread, the first two loaves of bread that were made from the wheat harvest. So Pentecost was the celebration of the wheat harvest. With those two loaves of bread, there were uh, two lambs that were offered as a peace offering to God. And they were waved before Jehovah as a wave offering, and then they were given to priests. And so they would bring these two loaves of bread, they would bring the lambs, and they would start waving them like this as a praise and as a worship on their way to the altar to offer them to God and to the priest. Other sacrifices were made during this time. A burnt offering of a young bullock. The Bible said in Leviticus 23, 18 through 19, two rams, seven lambs with a meat and drink offering and a kid for a sin offering. So there was a sin offering that was made. There was a... A peace offering that was made and there was a wave offering that was given and so this was all a time of celebration. The whole ceremony of Pentecost was the completion of the dedication of the harvest to God as the giver, recognizing God as the giver of the harvest to whom both the land and the people were holy. So they were acknowledging to God through their offerings, through their wave offerings, through their sacrifices that they realized that God was the giver of life, that God was the giver of sustenance, that God was the giver of everything, and they also realized that God saw us as holy. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, in God's eyes, you're holy. You are holy. And so that's just kind of a very generic, very basic, very... I mean, there's so many, so, so much deeper we could go this morning, but for sake of time, and honestly, I don't want to bore you a whole lot, but, but that, that's really kind of the basic or the basis of what Pentecost meant to the Jewish people. Pentecost was a time of celebration. It was a time of celebration for Israel because Israel celebrated becoming a nation. The law was given from Sinai on the 50th day. 50 means Pentecost. The law was given on Mount Sinai or the Mount of God. The law law was given on the 50th day after Israel's deliverance out of Egypt. And so that's why they celebrate God's power for deliverance. And so the appearance of God on Mount Sinai in Christian theology is widely regarded as the birthday of the Jewish nation in God's eyes. In God's eyes. So in the exodus from Egypt, the people were offered to God and were offering to God first fruits. And the people were offered as the living first fruits unto God and their consecration to Him as a nation was complete. So we see that in Old Testament theology. We see that in Old Testament history and Jewish history. Now, Pentecost today is a time of celebration of the birth of the church. Because Jesus told Peter, He said, You're Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that I shared with you this morning when the Holy Spirit came corporately, because see, the Holy Spirit was in the earth before. 
The Bible said He was there on the day of creation. The Bible said He moved upon the face of the waters. In the book of Job, the Bible said that Job was praying and Job said, I spoke things that were too wonderful for me, things that I did not understand. And so there's a possibility that he could have actually been speaking in that heavenly language or speaking in an unknown tongue. And the whole, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is in the Old Testament, He came upon people. In the New Testament, He comes inside of people and He baptizes people. So He washes them in the Old Testament. He baptizes them in the New Testament. And Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 is where we find that the Holy Spirit came corporately into the earth. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And when that means fully come, that means the wave offerings had been given. That means the sacrifices had been made. That means that everything had been completed. And so they were at the point where they were ready for God to do something. And the Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now when the Bible talks about that sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, there's many different places in the scripture that refers to the move of God and the move of the Spirit to wind. This was just one of them. Then the Bible said, Then there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And that's not the little flame that you see, but it's little cloven tongues like as a fire that was swishing through just like this. And the Bible said they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. That was the beginning of the New Testament church. Now we go down to verse number 38 and 39. Here's what the Bible says. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Bible tells us that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that God would show forth the praises of Him who's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. So the Bible tells us that we are chosen, that we are called by God. In Acts chapter 2 verses 38 and 39, the Bible said this promise is unto you and to your children and to as many as the Lord our God shall call. You were called as God's holy servant to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is the celebration of the birth of the New Testament church. Not only is it the celebration of the birth of Israel as a nation in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, today we celebrate the birth of the New Testament church. So what does that mean for us today? Pentecost today is a time not only of celebration of the birth of the church, but it is a time where we celebrate spiritual sacrifices of praise and worship unto the Lord. Just like they did the wave offering in the Old Testament when they came on the day of Pentecost. Just like they did those wave offerings and they would wave the lamb, they would wave the wheat, the unleavened bread, just like they would wave it as they was going before the presence of God. Today, when we lift our hands and we worship God and we praise God and praise and worship and we begin to wave our hands, that is a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. And God responds to that by pouring out His Spirit. 
The Bible said to clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. So when we clap our hands and we give God a clap offering of praise, when we do that, then it ascends into the ears of God and God in turn pours out His Spirit upon us. I'm not talking about clapping for the accolade of a man. I'm not talking about clapping because you like what the pastor said or the evangelist said, but I'm talking about clapping because you are applauding the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're applauding what Jesus did and you're giving your greatest clap offering to the Lord. Come on, let's do that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we clap our hands, that's like a signal to heaven to pour out God's Spirit. When we lift our hands and we wave to the Lord, that's like a signal. I'm open, I'm receiving. I'm open, I'm receiving. I'm open, I'm pulling it in. I'm open to the flow of God. I'm pulling. That's a wave offering and we're doing that. And then the Bible said to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Some people say, I don't know if I can go to a church. That's kind of irreverent. They go, We go to that church and I just want to go to a place where there's reverence. I think it's irreverent to do something contrary to what the Word of God says. Amen. God's Word says we should clap our hands. God's Word says we should wave our hands. And God's Word says we should shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Amen. Go ahead. Hallelujah. And when we do that, it doesn't mean that we're Pentecostal. When, it, when we do that, it means we're obedient. And when we are obedient and we shout unto God with the voice of triumph because it's Him that giveth us the victory. And when we shout unto God with the voice of triumph, then that's a signal to heaven that they're ready for the outpouring of my spirit. Now when we just sit and we just say, oh, that's nice. And when we sit and we look at one another and we think, wow, if I clap my hands, I wonder what they're going to think. Who gives a flying flip? Seriously, who gives a flying flip what they think? Listen, they can't shout like you do because they haven't come where you came from. Go ahead, Pastor. Hallelujah. They didn't experience. They didn't experience the outcome. They didn't experience the deliverance that you experienced. So your worship and your praise is going to be totally different. It's going to be identifiable to God through you. And so you go on and worship God and you go on and praise God. Now, I grew up in old-time Pentecost. They shouted. They danced. They ran the aisles. They run the back of the pews. They rolled from the front. They were literally holy rollers. They did. They stacked their hair to the top and, and, and put bobby pins in and then they shouted it down and all kinds of... I mean, I'm serious. I, we... I mean, we had wild, I mean, crazy services. We did. We had wild and crazy services, and a lot of people find fault with that. Let me tell you something. I, one, one thing that those old folks could do, they knew how to get a hold of God. They knew how to worship God. And they were not intimidated by the people sitting in front of them, behind them, beside them, or all around them. When it came time to worship God, they just put on their shouting shoes or kicked off the shoes that they had, and they just went to town shouting and praising God, and God poured out His Spirit in that place. Souls were saved. People were baptized with the Holy Spirit. People were called into ministry. Miracles took place. Bondages were broken. Shackles fell off. Why? Because they had the audacity to worship God and to praise God and to magnify Him unabated, irrelevant of what people around them thought. What would happen if we would just 
check our pride at the door. Last Sunday, Charles was up here. He was leading praise and worship. The power of God was moving. And I looked over here, and here was Moses. I can't even do it like Moses did, but I mean... Man, he was doing it. He, he was shouting and praising God. And I looked over and I just chuckled. I thought, whoo, we could have some more of that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, your response to God may be different than Moses's. In fact, you probably don't have the rhythm that Moses had. <laughs> but God doesn't care if you have rhythm. God doesn't care if you sing on key. God doesn't care if you clap off beat. All He desires is your worship. All He desires is your praise. All He desires is that you open yourself up for Him to pour out His Spirit. And this is what Pentecost means to us today. It means that we celebrate the fact that we are the church, that we are the body of Christ, that we are the creation of God, that we are the organism that Jesus created when He said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And when He said that, the church church was formed and then the next statement said and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it we have a promise as a church if we're part of the church if we're part of the body of Christ that hell cannot prevail against us now hell may prevail against your pride and hell may prevail against your flesh and hell may prevail against the problems that you have the, the way you're trying to figure things out mentally and emotionally but hell will not prevail against the church. So when we shout and when we clap our hands and when we praise the Lord and when we open ourselves up through wave offerings to receive the blessing of God upon our life, then we are receiving something that hell has no answer for. Praise God. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Now, the results of Pentecost... Acts chapter 2, verse 41. This was Peter. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's the difference that the Holy Ghost makes. I said that's the difference that the Holy Ghost makes. Why do you think the devil wants us to be shy? Why do you think the devil wants us to worry about what those around us think? Why do you think the enemy fights the move of God? Because he realizes that when the Holy Ghost starts moving, he starts jacking people up. When the Holy Ghost starts moving and from the floor to the ceiling all around, that souls are saved. And it's not just a few, but it can be magnified. 3,000 saved in one day. And then you go on in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 4. The Bible said that there were 5,000 souls that were added to the church in one day. In fact, if you study history, New Testament church history, you will find out that John Polycarp was one of the first pastors of the church, the New Testament church in Jerusalem. And church history tells us that in the first six months after the Holy Spirit came down, that approximately 60,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. 
And you can attribute that to the move of the Holy Ghost. You can attribute that to the move of the Holy Spirit. So I'm telling you today that we need to quit being shy about the move of the Holy Ghost. We need to quit being shy about God's Spirit moving in our midst because the end result of it is people giving their life to Jesus Christ. Now, Acts chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. The Bible said, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, by what name have you done this? And this is when Peter and John prayed for the man at the gate, beautiful, and he was healed. And they took them and arrested them for, for a miracle. The Bible said, Then Peter, look at this, filled with the Holy Ghost. This is the same person that denied Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and holy boldness comes on him. The Bible said, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the, of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he has made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. One of the marks of the true baptism of the Holy Spirit is whatever happens, He always points to Jesus. He always points to Jesus. Peter did not stand there and say, well, we went by this gate and we reached out and we healed Him. No, Peter and John did not say that. They said, Jesus, by the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus, Jesus set this man free and He was made Whole. But the Bible said Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, Romans chapter 8 and verse 23 identifies Christians. It identifies us as those who have the first fruits of the Spirit. So when we give our life to Christ, then what this is saying is that salvation and Holy Spirit baptism are the beginnings of a Spirit-led life. You give your life to Jesus, you receive a portion of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that God has given unto every man a measure of His Spirit. And so no one comes to God except the Spirit of God draws him. So when we give our life to Jesus, then the Bible teaches us that, that we have received the Holy Spirit... In measure. But there's another experience beyond that that we can receive called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when we receive the Holy Spirit without measure. Because the word baptism comes from the word baptismo, the Greek word baptismo, which means to soak within and without. And so we can live led by the Spirit as a Christian who has not been, quote, baptized in the Holy Spirit. But when we become baptized in the Holy Spirit, then we don't just live led by the Spirit. We walk in the power of the Spirit. Because the Bible said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So why do we need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? So we can say with the apostle that our speech and our preaching is not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the power and in the demonstration of the Spirit of God. 
We need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit so we can demonstrate to a world that is looking for answers, that is lost and undone without God, the power of a God that is real. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like being led by the Spirit of God. I like walking and being led by the Spirit of God. But being led by the Spirit of God and, and walking in the power of the Spirit are two totally different things. Now you can't walk in the power of the Spirit and not be led by the Spirit because when you're walking in the power of the Spirit, you are under the, the control of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in. He lives inside of us. He resides inside of us. He baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And when we walk in the power of the Spirit, then we're walking in the authority of the name of Jesus. And when we walk in the authority of the name of Jesus and we exercise that authority, then just like the man at the gate, beautiful, you can grab him by the hand and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This man was reaching by faith up. Peter and John reached down and grabbed him and said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible said they lifted him up on his feet. So there's the action of faith or the activity of faith. And the Bible said immediately his ankle bones received strength and he went leaping and dancing and worshiping and praising Almighty God to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Salvation and Holy Spirit baptism are the beginnings of the Spirit led life. Then we go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 verses 44 through 48. Acts 10 44 through 48. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. They of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 46. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So this is Peter coming to Cornelius' house, and this is when the Holy Spirit was poured out corporately on the Gentiles. And the way that they knew that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible said they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Now, a lot of people say to me, they say, and I've heard a lot of people through the years, I've been doing this a long time, and I've heard a lot of people through the years say that tongues went out with the apostles. Not so. Go to Acts chapter 28 and verse number 32. Acts 28 and verse number 32. Can you go there right now? No, you can't go there. You know why? Because you're verse 32. You're verse 32. If, if, if you look all through the New Testament, all through the New Testament, there is an ending to every single book in the New Testament except the book of Acts. And the reason is because you're verse 32 and you're verse 33 and you're verse 34 and you're chapter 29 and you're chapter 30 and you're chapter 31 and you're chapter 32. We are still living in the days of the Acts of the Apostles. Go ahead. Some people say that, that speaking in tongues went out with the New Testament church. Then what would be the purpose of 1 Corinthians chapter 14? Where the Bible teaches us the proper use of tongues. 
What would be the purpose of it? It would, be, it would have been an exercise in futility for the Holy Spirit to inspire holy men of God as they wrote and moved on by the Holy Spirit. It would have been an exercise in futility for the Holy Spirit to inspire them to teach us what is right and what is wrong concerning speaking in other tongues. The devil does not want you to speak with other tongues because he knows when you do, you are exercising the supernatural power of God. And you're speaking your spirit and the spirit of God is speaking mysteries back and forth to one another that the enemy cannot understand. So he fights it. He fights the move of God. He says that miracles went out with the New Testament apostles. He says that speaking in tongues went out with the New Testament apostles. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, everyone has a right to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not everyone's going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. No, not everyone's going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There are some good Christian people who are going to go to heaven who never spoke a tongue in their entire life. There's some of them that's going to. You say, well, how do you know that? Because you're not saved by tongues. You're saved by the blood. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. You're washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But if you want to walk in the power of the Spirit, then you need to open yourself up through praise and worship and through wave offerings and through gifts and different things like that. You just need to worship God in every single area of your life. Lord, I worship you with my voice. Lord, I worship with you with my hands. Lord, I worship you with my feet. Lord, I worship you with my finances. Lord, I worship you with my relationships. Lord, I worship you with my job. In fact, Lord, my entire life is an exercise of worship unto you. And Lord, I ask you to pour your spirit into me to baptize me so that I'm not just led by the spirit, but I can walk in the power of the spirit and overcome the work of the enemy that the enemy sets against us. That's Pentecost today. So Pentecost, and I showed you where the Holy Spirit came to the Jews and to the Gentiles and where it's still today. Pentecost is a time of thanksgiving. Today, Pentecost today, is a time of thanksgiving and an annual reminder to us that God still endues with power, that God still works miracles, and that God still baptizes believers with the Holy Ghost. That's our annual reminder. That's what Pentecost is about. So when we talk about Pentecost, that's what we're talking about. We're celebrating the birth of the church. We're celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're celebrating the fact that we can live in the power of the Spirit, that we can be endued with power from on high. We're celebrating the fact that miracles did not go out with the apostles, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He doesn't change. And the works that He did, we can do in greater because He goes to the Heavenly Father to send back to us a Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and He will abide with us forever. And we celebrate the fact that today, even right now, we can be baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking other tongues, not as we speak, but as the Spirit gives the utterance. So how do we practice Pentecost? We celebrate God's power and deliverance with rejoicing and with wave offerings, with praise and worship. That's how we practice Pentecost. We worship, we praise, we magnify, we open ourselves up 
through wave offerings. Lord, I give you my praise. Lord, I gather in your blessing. Lord, I give you my praise. Lord, I gather in your blessing. Come on, do that with me. Lord, I give you my praise. Come on, Lord, I gather in your blessing. Come on, let's, let's do that. I want you to get that in your spirit. Lord, I give you my praise. Lord, I gather in your blessing. Lord, I, I do that. And so when we practice Pentecost, we do that. And then we celebrate the dedication of the harvest unto the Lord through significant giving to God and to your men of God and your women of God, to the pastors, to the givers, to, to, to those that God has placed over you in the Lord. We still take care of our pastor personally. We still bless our pastor personally because it's a principle that we learned through the Scripture. I'm not telling you this to get you to bless me. I'm telling you this because I want you to be blessed. And it made a significant difference in our life when we started honoring God in this way. And then we practice Pentecost by realizing that both the blessing and the people are holy unto the Lord. Both the blessing and the people are holy unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, today's Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that they celebrate the wheat harvest, the wave offerings, significant giving, worshiping, praising, magnifying God in every area of their life. I want us to stand right now, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at wwwsuncoast 4 and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.